everybody, Ann Price here. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Community Possibilities. If you have not already, could I ask you before you do anything else to like and share and maybe write a review of the show? That helps so much. All right, enough of the infomercial. Let me introduce you to today's guest. Dr. Quinn Galloway Salazar is founder of In Their Honor. Quinn joined me way back in, I think it was June 2021 on episode 10 of the podcast. So Quinn has been up to quite a bit since last we heard from her. So I wanted to have her on as we are about to celebrate another Veterans Day here in 2023. So Quinn is an Army veteran. She's the spouse to a combat veteran. She's an end-of-life doula, an educator, a facilitator, a speaker. Oh, yeah, mom. But most of all, she is a passionate advocate for our military and veteran communities. So Quinn is driven by her deep commitment to talk about things such as trauma and end-of-life care and suicide prevention and the military experiences of those who serve. At one point in the podcast, you're going to hear how Quinn feels when uh, people go up to a veteran, maybe they have their uniform on or they're wearing a hat if they've served before, and it's just wrote, we often say, well, thank you for your service. And she offers us something else to say. Tell me about your service. Quinn is going to talk about the head work, but most of the time we're going to talk about the heart work. It has been such a joy watching Quinn these last couple of years really live into who she was called to be. And that lesson really applies to all community leaders, whether you serve veterans or not. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I would love to hear how you are leaning in to who you are supposed to be. Thanks, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Community Possibilities. I have already been having a lovely conversation with my friend Quinn. Welcome, Dr. Quinn Galloway Salazar, back to the podcast for number two. Back to the podcast for number two, Dr. Ann Price. Thank you so much for bringing me back. It's been like two years. Uh, it's actually okay. been because I had to look it up. It was episode 10 and now i'm on well it depends on who's counting um but but uh was it <laughs> buzz sprout or, or me if they then i don't think they count the trailer but i think this is going to be 51 or 52. Whoa! yeah it's gonna be fun so you were episode two in july 2021. oh that feels like a lifetime ago my friend it does it definitely it definitely does. So you and I were just talking about uh, technology that gives us fits mm -hmm. and always at the wrong time mm -hmm. and uh, how uh, how we are often perceived, uh, you and I, um, 
<laughs> being being uh, people who uh, facilitate a lot of conversations, who are do a lot of public speaking. So uh, welcome, fellow introvert. Yes, it. I feel like a kindred spirit, right? Like introverts unite. Um, well, introvert slash forced extrovert, I kind of call it. Um, and it's cool. It's cool to be on this platform where it's just you and I having this conversation and our audiences can hear it outside of the context of our one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's fabulous. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you, um, I love the sign that's behind you that people who are listening can't see. If we do a video clip, they'll be able to see this. I figure if a girl wants to be a legend, she should go ahead and be one. Who is who is that quote from? I can't read that. Calamity Jane. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that saying. Absolutely adore it. Uh, I think one of my daughters picked that out for me and told me that I should be a legend. And how could I, how can I not accept that challenge? Oh my God, my, my mouth is literally hanging open right now. Wow. <laughs> I, one, one, I, I can't imagine my kids ever said, well, maybe because I have boys, I don't know. Maybe that's why, but I can't imagine what a compliment that is to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an honor. What yeah. An honor, right? well, and what, what, a, what, uh, uh, what a a legend to live up to, right? Like, how do I live up to that? But by gosh, I try every day. Oh my gosh, I just got um, goosebumps because uh, we, I had already had in mind having you come back in time for Veterans Day. I thought about kind of revamping the one and then you reached out and I'm like, oh, perfect. Because um, you've changed so much since when I, and I haven't met, I mean, we've known each other for a couple of years, but we've only really gotten to know each other, I would say in the last two or three years, probably. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And just observing you, not that I pretend to know all about you. I do not. Um, but I really have seen you like step into your own. And that is the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually, because when I met you, you were with a different organization. You were about to, I think, or you had just gone out on your own, but you were still yeah. like feeling all the feels and not sure and wasn't even sure what the business was going to look like, what you were actually going to do for a living. And so I have seen like a com complete transformation. And just so you know, my friend, when I spoke the other day at the Grant Professionals Association, and I'm always a nervous Nelly, I'm always a nervous wreck. This is what you and I were talking about. People never see that, but I was. Right. I, th I thought about you. I pictured you on the stage. I pictured you uh, where your uh, pastor asked you to uh, to, to preach to the <laughs> church. On Mother's Day. <laughs> on Mother's Day, because he wasn't going to be there. I think one of his kids was graduating from college, is what I want to say. He right? was graduating from his master's program. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, and I, I could picture you, like, up on stage totally owning it, because nobody owns a room big or small like you do, friend. So oh. I just want to kind of talk about that, like... 
Um, and maybe, you know, I always ask that question for, for people yeah. who haven't listened to episode 10, go back and listen to episode 10. Cause I asked you that question, but I'm going to ask you the question again for people who didn't listen or probably won't go back and listen. How did you come to be who you are? Because you are still becoming, that's what I see in you. And that's what this podcast is all about community leaders. So who mm -hmm. are you and who are you becoming? Yeah. Who am I? Um, I love to I love to speak from the space and I tell people all the time, do you want the heart or do you want the head? So when folks say we want the heart, I'm like, that's my jam. Let's talk about that. So who am I? I'm Quinn Galloway Salazar. I am an army veteran. I'm a spouse to a retired combat veteran. I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm a confidant, I'm a champion for all things military and veteran community related. Um, I, to be quite honest, I tell this joke, it's not a joke, it's actually a true story. Um, when I got out of the military, I had this idea that I was gonna chuck that uniform to the side and, and never do anything remotely <laughs> close to serving in a capacity dealing with people in uniforms. And it has been 20 plus years that I have been in this space. Um, and it's been an honor of a lifetime. Truly who I am to the core is a person that loves to serve. I love to serve my community. I love to serve people. I love to just, when I wake up every morning, I am filled with the, what is my purpose for this day? And that is truly how I lead my life. Professionally, I own, I'm the CEO of a small consulting firm called In Their Honor, where I uh, consult with organizations that are building or working on projects related to veterans. Right now, the big highlight of my work is end of life for veterans. So I'm also an end of life doula. I listened to our podcast last night and I said, at the end of our podcast, I had just shared, I just became an end of life doula. Um, and so what does that mean in short? It means that I companion veterans and their caregivers and their loved ones at the end of life right that's where that started but truly where it has like taken a life of its own is i do that work and teach end-of-life professionals and communities how to doula and how to journey with veterans along their life's continuums so i have to say like and i just carved that up in a nutshell i live this life to serve who am i i'm a servant period yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you're also a mom and a, and a wife and a military wife, too. Yeah. Well, my husband retired. My husband retired in 2012, but he served in law enforcement. Um, so different uniform. Yep. Uh, and it's been an, it's been uh, an amazing journey um, on that side of the house as well. And so we're both just hardcore servants. Um, and it's rock starish life if you ask me <laughs> rock star life that's awesome yeah and along the way you decided to get a phd because you know life <laughs> life wasn't complicated 
life was not as complicated, I guess, as you wanted it to be. Life was not complicated enough. And I decided to get a PhD and finish said PhD in the middle of a pandemic. But nonetheless, I persevered and I did that. Yes. And truly the work of that PhD has allowed me to um, dip my big toe in many ponds, right? I never had the idea that I would stay in some shape or form in academia. And I have, right? Like I, I touch it. Um, working on that PhD allowed me to really, you know, and I'll touch on it for a moment. I focused on post 9-11 women veterans, right? My population. And I wanted to learn more about their life, their lived experiences upon transitioning from the military. Um, and truly that journey with those women veterans caused me to start asking the questions, right? What, what experiences that veterans face during their service, how does that show up throughout one's course of life, right? For some of those women, there were traumatic experiences. There were sexual trauma that they lived with. And I wanted to start learning what, how did those things show back up? And as a society and as a nation, what were we doing about it? And the rest is history, my friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I did not go back and listen to episode 10. I did. I did not actually. But so I'm wondering, you listen to it because I, I think maybe I mentioned, um, uh, my friend who, uh, uh, I, I guess it's a thing when you retire at a certain age, you are, you have to retire, which kind of hurts my head a little bit. I really don't understand, but she really struggled yeah. when she got out. Um, she, she really felt like she had a, she didn't know what her mission was, mm-hmm. which is something that I think most of us in, in this country can't really get our head around. Like, well, why you just get another job. Right. But, um, uh, it was really, it was very difficult for her. She tried some private sector jobs and um, yeah, it was, it was a struggle and I've never, she's not a struggler, right? She's a full bird colonel in the air force. You know, she's not a struggler. It's just not that cut and dry, right? It's just not that cut and dry when we transition out, um, especially as women, you know, when I got out of the military, I had this, almost had a little bit of bravado, right? Like I had more of a masculine uh, masculine characteristics that I carried alongside of me that weren't readily accepted in the civilian world. And so truly, because I didn't find my space and my place, and I was only like 22 years old, right? 21, 22. Baby, was, you were a baby. Well, a baby. And so I went back to what I knew. And that was continuing to serve my pop, serve my military community because I was accepted in that space. Um, but I learned so many things along the way, right? And I try to impart that on all those who want to learn more about the military so that we can bridge this divide. There's such a divide in with our civilian community and our military community. And truth be told, you know, I sometimes wish 
people would say, who do I live around? Who is in my community? Who's in my faith-based organizations? Who are in my schools? Who are in my local city government? How can I bridge this gap? To not say that I fully understand what your, your lived experiences are, but I want to be able to say more than thank you for your service. I want to follow that thank you for your service up with something actionable because thank you for your service is so cliche, right? It's just the thing to say mm -hmm. in November, right? Or if you see a veteran walking down the street or wherever you are that has, mm -hmm. the, hat on. has the hat on, right? You don't know what that means to them. So ask a further question. When did you serve? Right. Mm -hmm. Get have a create a space where conversation can ensue, where for once for many, for some veterans, that may be the first time someone said, tell me about your service. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to you? Wow. That's such a difference to between just saying thank you for your service, period, and tell me about your service, which is an invitation. It's an invitation. Mm. It's an invitation. I'll give you a prime example. I was in uh, San Diego a few months ago. I flew into San Diego, and I'm picking up my luggage, and there's a gentleman picking up his luggage, and he had a Vietnam veteran hat on. And I saw it. So I walked up to him. He was an older gentleman, of course. And I asked him, can I help you with your bags? And he looked at me. And we started talking a little bit. And then I said to him, welcome home. Oh, Quinn, you're killing me. <laughs> you're killing me. Because anybody who knows their history knows that that generation did not feel welcomed home. And he just had this look on his face, right? I didn't have to say anything else. There was nothing else to say. He was seen. He was felt, his service was acknowledged, and I went on my merry way, and so did he. But take it a step further than just saying thank you for your service. Mm. Just one step. Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed at what you can do to bridge that divide. Well, folks, this is exactly why you need to have Dr. Quinn as your keynote speaker because she went straight to the heart. Oh my God, you're killing me, girl. All right, so uh, when last we left you in episode 10, you <laughs> you had just left your job at the, uh, the technical center, and I'm going to get the whole name <laughs> wrong if I try, um, and to start in your honor. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about in your honor. You talked about being an end life doula. I think still there are a lot of people that are like, huh, what? Because they know about like baby doula, yeah. right? So what are what kinds of services do you provide? I know you've been doing a lot of speaking in the last probably two years since we've talked. So and mm. then and then uh, don't give away the byline yet because then we're going to talk about your new thing, right? <laughs> so let's okay. let's talk generally before we get specific. Sure thing, sure thing. So 2021, um, I was ending my my role as the co-director of SAMHSA's Service Member Veterans and their Families Technical Assistance Center. I know that's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. That's why I didn't even try because I'd already flipped the page. It's such a mouthful. Um, and so what was happening at that time, and we're talking about towards, this was in the midst of the pandemic, 
I was trying to finish up my PhD. My dad was ill and I was just like caregiving, doing all these things. And I realized there was something else, right? Like there was something else that I was supposed to be doing. And so I resigned from this position. And quite honestly, I had been working my tail off for that position for 10 years prior to that. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to be in that position before I was even in that position years ago. So I grieved, to be honest with you, mm. when I left that position. Um, but I started in their honor as a passion project in my community. I was a volunteer in, at a hospice, and I was uh, companioning veterans at the end of their lives. And I started hearing these stories, right? I think... For me, the space that I came into was one of safety and security and a landing pod for veterans that were dying to be vulnerable with some of their lived experiences. And so what I didn't realize at the time, this small project in Gwinnett County was going to turn into this national conversation in my mind, and I thought we were doing all the things to support veterans through the life continuum, right? And not to say that we're not, but I thought that we were doing a lot more. I thought these conversations were happening. Just because I am comfortable with having conversations about death and dying, I realized that the majority of the planet <laughs> is not. Exactly. <laughs> right? Not the majority of our country, but really the majority of our planet. We know that having conversations about death and dying is like maybe number one or number two in terms of the things that people fear to do. But I wanted to start having these conversations because I knew that there were many of my siblings in arms that were dying with this guilt, mm. with internal injuries. When I say internal, I mean of the heart and of the mind. And I wanted to start and spark a movement where there was engagement, dialogue, and conversations about what do we do as a community? We all play a role in caring for veterans and saying thank you for your service because these men and women have raised their right hands to you know, serve and protect at any cost. So what are the things that we can do as a community and as a nation to support them, not just at the end of life, but through the end of life and to be there to support their loved ones? So before I knew it, I was doing podcasts and keynotes and national platforms. And, you know, we were having conversations about caregiving. We skipped over the death and dying process. And now we're talking about survivorship. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you become a survivor because someone died. Let's call it what mm -hmm. it is. And let's talk about yeah. what can we do to support people that are dying. Um, it shouldn't just be a medical experience. It's a human mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Connecting experience that brings us all together as a community. Yeah. I got to tell you what 
what is coming up for me is remembering and you have to tell me if we talked about this in episode 10 because i don't remember it yeah when, when my mom died and being there at that moment okay you're shaking your head so i guess i didn't tell that story because i'm probably one of those people who is always afraid of being in the room like what does that look like what does that feel like um my mom fell and hit her head and uh she was on blood thinners and as i found out later uh from the the icu nurse i remember him saying well you know we're seeing a lot of elderly folks who are on blood thinners who fall which is pretty typical um and we're not quite sure because mom was definitely pretty with it so we're not sure if she you know tripped over maybe because she was on oxygen so whether or not she tripped over the cord or if the alarm went off in the middle of the night we're not quite sure my sister found her that morning but it became pretty clear um that she was she was dying i mean that that when we got there when my husband and i got to the hospital i remember she looked at me and she got, she asked me about the last book of outlander series and what i thought of the ending right so we had this whole conversation she looked at my husband and she goes wow dan you've lost a lot of weight right <laughs> and, and then she slipped into a coma and over those next couple of days i mean my sister is a nurse so she knew what was going on probably before the rest of us right um hospice did come in it, it was kind of a mixed experience for us yeah. I, and when i say us our family um but anyway i could see what i could see what was happening and get my head around it get myself a little prepared but i I remember looking at her, watching her breath and watching it slow down and knowing that moment was close. Nice. So, so I went and held her hand. Yeah. I, I prayed for her. My nephew, who I hadn't seen in a long time, was in the room. He came over and we prayed with her. And it when it was the most beautiful moment. Yeah. It was, it was precious and sacred. And I'm, I'm so glad I was there. And I don't fear death like I did before. Absolutely. So that's what's, that, that's what's coming to mind for me. That's such a beautiful story. And if we lived in a society where we talked more about those types of experiences, you know, yeah, the unknown scares us all for mm -hmm. sure. What we don't know, we're, we're afraid of. But in those final moments, when you can just show up with pure compassion and love to someone as they're journeying to whatever it is that you believe or they believe, there is no gift greater. Mm -hmm. There's no gift greater. Let's stay away from what we see in the movies, what we see, uh, you know, because it, it's the movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's supposed to be drawn up that way to make you feel those things. But when you're sitting at someone's bedside, someone that you love, and you're walking them home, mm. it's no greater gift yeah. than yeah. that. No greater gift. Yeah. So I, I, as, as, as your mother's child, I congratulate you for your bravery and your courageous vulnerability to be there and to hold her hand and to walk with her and talk with her all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
So do you feel like communicating that experience to others and being in the moment with veterans, is that part of your calling now and part of what you do in, in their honor? Absolutely. So when I started, once again, when I started in their honor, it was just me giving back to my community. And before I knew it, there were people that were saying, hey, how can we learn what you do and do it in our communities too? Mm-hmm. And I was like, heck yeah, y'all want to do this too? Let's do this, right? Um, and so that started happening. I'll give you a prime example. There is a group right here in Johns Creek um, that reached out a few months ago and said, hey, can you come in and talk to our people? Um, they had just lost one of their members. He got ill and declined extremely fast and unfortunately died in a hospital alone. Mm. And that association took it really hard and they wanted to stand up a cadre of their peers to ensure one, that they would provide respite care for those caregivers to be able to take a shower, get some coffee, leave the room, right? Because we know when people are actively dying, no one wants to leave, right? That caregiver doesn't want to um, leave out with the fear that their loved one may die alone. Mm -hmm. So this cadre of, of veterans, they started what they call the 11th hour squadron, Mm. where they do shifts. If they know that there's a veteran in their community that's on hospice or that's in the hospital and are seriously ill, they have shifts where they'll come in and sit, right? Mm. Whether whether that veteran is alert or not, Mm -hmm. they're there to support them. Mm. And in the death space, that's called holding a vigil. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I went in and I trained a group of Vietnam veterans. I have never had a standing ovation for talking about death. Oh, my gosh. And I was just like, what? However, those men and women felt called to be able to sit in that space with their battle buddy until the end. And that's beautiful. Um, I had the chance to do something similar in Bend, Oregon last month. Um, I went to Bend and I trained a bunch of their veterans to do the same work. And so, there, you know, communities are sprouting and they're saying, right. hey, you know, doulas reaching out saying, we want to train our people, right? You don't, mm-hmm. I don't have to be everywhere. For me, it's about this ripple effect, mm-hmm. right? I feel like it's a movement having a ripple effect and mm-hmm. people are saying, hey, I have this skill set. I have this desire to serve. What can I do? Mm-hmm. When can you guide us? And I'm like, heck yeah, because Quinn can't be everywhere. But if you have the heart to do this work in your community, I will journey alongside of you to do that. Well, speaking of spreading it around and ripple effect, let's talk about uh, Quinn as a TV star. No, I'm kidding. I'm not 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 TV star, but uh, you did get flown to California recently. I be- was it California? It was California, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, caring for veterans to the end of life. What is that all about? I've, I I I previewed some of the videos. 
Caring for veterans through the end of life is a collection. Uh, at first, we called it a series, but we felt it needed an, a, a different title. It needed to be a collection. Um, how that was birthed, uh, the I partnered, I had the opportunity to partner with an organization, an amazing organization called the Psych Armor Institute. Uh, Dr. Tina Atherall is the CEO of Psych Armor and one of my friends, one of my dear colleagues, um, a person that I will pick up the phone and say, what the heck? And in a what the heck moment a few years ago, it was, why aren't we having these conversations about death, Tina Atherall? <laughs> and she, I was going on and on in this tizzy, um, primarily because one of my mentors who had been diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer Mm-hmm. had just recently passed away. And right before she passed away, I had the opportunity to interview her because we wanted to leave a legacy project for her family. And at the end of our conversation, she challenged me to move the needle in end-of-life work as it related to veterans. And I promised her I would. And so I'm having this conversation with Tina and I'm like, what's happening? You know, who's doing what? Where, where? What's the landscape look like? And she was just quiet. And she said, the work is supposed to be happening, and I think you're supposed to be spearheading it. And of course, mm-hmm. I'm her. And I remember saying, no, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my community and doing little things, and that's it. And she said, Quinn, it's so much bigger than that. Mm. And so she said, would you be willing to partner with Psych Armor? to create and envision what you want to see. And I said, yes. And what was birthed from there was a collection um, of courses uh, focused on caring for veterans through the end of life. The first one launched, I think in August, just this August, August 23, uh, 2023. And it was focused on compassionate communities and what communities needed to know about veterans that were dying. And the second one launched last month and it was focused on healthcare providers. What did healthcare providers need to know? And then the third one just launched last week on November 1st. It's specifically for caregivers and their loved ones. And the beauty about each course, Anne, the, each of the courses come with guidebooks. I like to call them journals or workbooks. And it allows that participant to look at these prompts and journal their thoughts, right? I didn't want it to be quizzes and academic tests. Right. I really wanted the essence of these courses to tug at the heart. And I think it does just that. So you have the courses with content, you have stories um, infused in all of the courses of actual veterans that I've worked with. And then you have um, these vignettes of end of life professionals, right? My trusted advisors that work with me in this project to share their experiences. So we have from a a hospice chaplain all the way to a hospice physician, doulas, social workers, and all in between that are sharing their expertise in their work along this journey. So it is chock full of uh, education, head work, but also heart work. Uh, I cannot say enough, it's a beautiful compilation 
of courses that are many courses designed to just give you a taste of what this work is and how you can be a champion, whether wherever you are, to honor the lives of veterans. I have so many follow-up questions like, did you, de- did you develop the script? Did you develop yeah. the workbooks? I mean, yeah. and I wrote- what? Because I've been working on a, a course uh, for uh, evaluation for nonprofit eva- or uh, non-evaluators um, for at least a year and a half, <laughs> and I'm still not done. So I'm I'm trying to wrap my red- head around like, oh my god, all the all the work. So talk about wh- how the how it how the the sausage was made, just for my own personal, you know, just my own personal <laughs> learning, but then talk a little bit more about who was it for, yeah. uh, who, how, how can people accesses, access it? Does it cost any money? All of those okay. things. Absolutely. So answer my selfish question first. Selfish question. <laughs> yes. I wrote the entire, I wrote the script. I wrote all of the prompts in all of the workbooks. The amazing team at Psych Armor came in with their great degrees of creativity, um, ensuring that the layout and the design that I envisioned, because I had a vision on how I wanted the course to feel, they laid it out to the T, right? From the colors to the fonts to just just everything that's in those courses, mm-hmm. every bit was intentional because the goal was we didn't want people to view those courses and feel a level of sterile, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted it to be inviting. We wanted it to be engaging. We wanted it to be heart-centered work. And that's just what it turned out to be. I had no idea that I could script. I had no idea that I could write journals. I had no idea that I could go into a studio (laughs) and record, right? Like, I had no idea that I could do those things. But I think I was able to do those things. And because I was called to do those Mm -hmm. things, right? Um, I never went to school for those things. It just organically came to be because it was supposed to be. Um, And so when you ask, you know, and it took a year, right? I wrote every day. I wrote every day for a year. And then my lovely friend, um, Dr. Heidi Craft, she's at Psych Armor. We worked through the script to make sure that it flowed just just beautifully. And, And it did. And we had an illustrator and we had post-production teams doing all this work to make everything just beautiful. And it came out, it surpassed my wildest dreams Mm -hmm. because I wanted anyone, the courses are for everyone. I wanted those who truly saw the courses to stay with it, to stay in the course, to feel that it was a journey that they were going through. And I think that collectively, we were able to attain that. So the courses are for anyone. Yes, they are split up into uh, three. One, once again, that's for communities. One, that's for healthcare providers. And the third, which is for caregivers and loved ones. But truly, you can take all of them and learn a piece within each one. Um, They're completely free. They're free. No costs to anyone, no costs. And what's really cool, when you're done with each course, you get this beautiful certificate 
gift certificates for each one, right? Um, which is awesome. They're on the Psych Armor Institute's platform, and I'm sure I, I think I've sent you the link. If you could just roll in the link, I absolutely will. And it's 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 each course is maybe it's no more than 20 minutes. They're micro courses, so they're not courses that will take you a day and a half to complete. Mm -hmm. They're short. Each course gives you five things that you should know, right? Not a plethora of things that you should know, but mm -hmm. five core things that you should know as you begin journeying with veterans through the end of their lives. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. And much, I have to say it, my advisors, right? Um, I have one advisor and I didn't share this the very first time you and I uh, started the first podcast because I really wasn't out, so to speak, having these broad conversations about mm -hmm. that. One of my trusted advisors, we've been friends since I was six and she was seven. And when we were kids, we used to play this game because people say, how did you end up in death and dying? And what, what sparked your interest in death and dying? Truth be told, when we were six and seven years old, we played this game where one of us played dead and the other one was the funeral director. And we would do each other's makeup. And we, we had this whole thing figured out. And she ended up becoming a hospice social worker. And when I got off of active duty, I did a stint. Um, I did a, a, a shadowing at a funeral home because I contemplated going to mortuary school. So all these years later, when I decided to become a doula, I reached back out to her and I said, hey, I need you to walk with me for a little bit. I need you to, I need mm -hmm. you to teach me things. Mm -hmm. And when this project started, she was one of the very first ones that I said, work with me on this project, right? So there's each one of my trusted advisors have journeyed some piece mm -hmm. of this landscape with me. But thinking about her, we were kids and we were compassionate and had this understanding about death and dying at such a young age. It was almost like this work called us. We didn't, we didn't set forth to do this work. Mm -hmm. It picked us. And so it's just, you know, I have to share that because you can, when you connect the dots looking backwards, that's when life begins to make sense. So often we want to do this mm -hmm. and this, but it's when we, when I say this, because of course the audience can't see it, but looking straight right. ahead. Right. Right? But when you look back, what were those things that excited you as a kid? What were those populations that you loved in high school and I didn't, and you've met me, I'm almost six foot tall. Every sports team thought that they were going to get me. What did I do as extracurricular? I was in the clown club where I visited. <laughs> I was in the clown club where a group of us oh my gosh. go to senior centers and sit with the aging. Yeah. Yeah. Service was what I was supposed to do. Mm. And that's, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. So now I have this great opportunity to inspire those, inspire the doers that want to do this work, um, whether it's aging and longevity, working with veterans or end of life, right? But what's happening as this as this movement is 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 churning, what I'm hoping is 
it'll spread broader, not just for our veteran community, that it'll spread in every pocket where community members are just standing in the spaces to say, I'm going to be compassionate and check in on my neighbors, check in on people in my community that I know are aging, that their health is ailing and failing, and what can I do? That may just look like bringing over a pot pie. That may look like just coming over to spend quiet time. Because what do we know? Connection is so huge mm -hmm. in those moments. And those are moments where people fall away because they feel like, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say anything, just show up. Right. Yeah. Just, just be present. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I hope it's not a secret because you and I both talked about the, the rate of depression, anxiety, and suicide among the veteran population. So it's so, it's so, that's just so important just to, to be present, just, be present. Just, just to be there, just to be there. Well, that whole conversation just is just such a lovely example why I love that question that I always ask people is how did you become who you are? Because that's really true. I think if we all like take a look back and 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 that and this message is really for any community leader who is listening to this podcast or any of the podcasts, because that's all the community leaders are different, but they all were called to their purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Call to it. Call to it. Mm -hmm. you know, and listen to it. Listen to what your community is saying, right? Empathize with whatever population. And Anne, I've watched you in action, right? In terms of the story. What's the story? What's the story that drives the work that you're doing? Mm -hmm. What's that why? Yeah. Right? Once you figure out that why, all of those other questions, all of those other answers will come, but know your why and know yeah. the story. That's the heartbeat to just the community, the, the possibilities that we can bring, right? The creativity that we can bring, the innovation that we can bring, the evidence-based practices, the best, whatever you want to call it, right? From practical to evidence-based, when we know our why, we can solve so many problems mm -hmm. in our communities. Yep. Yep. Well, you are definitely, uh, you know, when I think about examples of people living into their calling, you're who comes to mind for me. I just want you to know that. That means a lot. Thank you. I, I mean it sincerely. I thought about you last, uh, what was it, Friday morning when I was speaking? Yeah, Friday morning. I'm like, I can see Quinn. She would, she would be stepping into her power. She would be speaking to her truth. And I, I called you to mind, girl. <laughs> I appreciate it. See, when you do that, here's what you have to do. Wear your most dangly earrings. You know me. You know I'm always going to be bright and colorful. Do that. Channel, channel whatever makes you feel as spicy and as confident, <laughs> as, confident as possible, right? And yeah. blaze that trail. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. right. yeah, so yeah, community, you can't hide it under a bushel, right? We know yeah. that you cannot hide your light under a bushel because your community, whatever your community is, yeah, you needs can't. you. Yeah, and then when you think about the work that we do, right? Um, I laugh. I remember when you and I first started working together, we were pulling off an evaluation conference and it was like, 
it was like nails, fingernails on a chalkboard. Like people were just like, what? We have to do an evaluation conference because people are so afraid and intimidated yeah. by that topic, by those, by the content, the terms in the content, all of those things, right? But I think what happens for some of us, like you and I, yes, we have the head work that comes with what we do, right? We have the degrees, we have the experience, we have all of these things that people can find in our CVs and our bios and blah, blah, blah. But when we show up as who we are yep. and we serve that first and we infuse all of that other stuff, that's where the magic happens, right? right? Like I've been in a room with you, right? And And saying to myself, oh my gosh, I have to listen to this. I have to listen to this content that scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> but the way you infuse storytelling into, you know, the data and the evaluation pieces and infographics and on and on, it's, it's, it's wonder, it's amazement. And really when I think of our community leaders, don't get so stuck in the mundane of your head work. Bring oh. your creativity. Bring exactly. Your artwork, because that's what inspires the masses to get the work done. Well, thank you, friend. Your check's in the mail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what what is what's next for you? What what heart work is next for you? Are, are you taking a break from uh, yeah. from your uh, your uh, your movie career in California? Or no, I know you're not. What's on your plate? No breaks. It's almost 2024. It is almost 2024. I have taken on a new client um, to be their creative advisor on several military related projects. So I'm a huge Disney fan, and so that's the other piece, right? So I apologize if I said Disney, but just the formula of, of how Disney do does things like that's always attracted me as a kid. And so now I get to infuse some of the things that I've learned, um, nothing special, nothing from a book, but really what I've learned into really good storytelling to be able to build really good content. And so when I say to people, I get to be a creative advisor, they're like, oh, what? I get to help organizations create content related to suicide prevention that touches the heart, that gets to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. There are a few topics that I will be touching on this year. I can't share all of it because this is just unfolding now, but I also, starting in January, it's year two. So the Caring for Veterans Through the End of Life, it's a two-year project. So year two starts in January, so I'll be traveling having screenings and talking about that project what? and organizations will there be fun. will there be red carpets and gowns involved <laughs> oh my gosh not a, i hope hopefully not again because that was enough in june just throwing on that ball gown and having to do those things i, I am not i I hope not. <laughs> you hope not. <laughs> but if there will, there will there will be amazing jewelry. I'm sure. If there if there is, there will be amazing jewelry for sure, and amazing hard work that is pumped out for sure. Um, so 2024 is a full year 
and it's not even 2024. Yeah. I'm honored. I'm I'm truly I'm truly honored to be able to do what I do, to show up as myself every day and not have to be what society wants me to be or anything different. I get to be as colorful and vibrant um, as I want to be talking about the topics that are really hard to talk about, right? You know, someone shared with me, they said, you make talking about death easy and I don't know how the hell you do it Mm. because we've got to talk about it because it's an experience that we all will face. So if I can make it a little bit easier for someone to be willing to talk about it, I'm here for it. Well, as we come to a close, my friend, I want to ask you a question. I'll give you the opportunity to change your answer. Uh-oh. When you look to the future, what community possibilities do you see? <sighs> wow. I see in every community where the thing to do and the thing to be is compassionate. Mm. What's really funny is that was my same response that I gave you the last time. And I still talk about the importance of compassion. Mm. One of my purposes is to make compassion really cool. Mm. Um, I don't care how old you are, from young to old, we can all be compassionate. And to ask this question, what if? What if together we join hands to address every social, economic, political, blah, 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 challenge we have, but doing it together, what if? What type of world? What type of legacy, what type of legends will we be for our next generation? I love it. I love it. And I love this conversation. And I know you said 2024 is looking pretty busy, but I also know you'll, you, you don't say no to an opportunity to serve. So where can people get in touch with you? Um, I, I, the first thing that I would say is, is go to the website. Um, that's really the easiest way to get in touch with me. It's uh, in their honor.info. If you want to leave me a message, it hits my email. And I will, if you give me 48 hours, I will respond right back to you. Um, I'm sure in the show notes, you can leave my social media information. Um, I can be found there as well. I'm pretty responsive, right? I'm pretty, I'm like that friend that you really didn't realize that you had. So you're not going to get someone else that's going to respond. It's going to be me. Um, So don't hesitate. If there's comment, if there's project, if you want to consult, work together, partner, I'm here for it. Let's make this community, our states, our nation, our world better off than the way we received it. Thank you so much for coming on again, Quinn. Thank you, my friend, for having me again. Thank you. And happy Veterans Day to you. I'm going to so remember that. Tell me about your service, not thank you for your service. Tell me about your service. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Quinn. You're welcome. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Community Possibilities. Before I let you go, I want to point you in the direction of some resources that might help you out. 
We have designed them just for nonprofits and community-based organizations like coalitions. So if you go to the website, communityevaluationsolutions.com slash resources, you're going to find a brand new logic model template, a theory of change template, a coalition assessment, and a mini course designed to help you share your data to tell your story. So there's lots more there. I hope you check it out. I hope it's helpful. One thing you could do to help me out, if you would be so kind, is to leave a review and maybe share an episode. Those likes, those shares, those written reviews really help us get in more ears. And oh my gosh, I totally forgot to remind you that my book with Susan Wolf is out. It's called A Guidebook to Community Consulting, A Collaborative Approach. So lots of resources, lots of things going on here at Community Evaluation Solutions. Hope you have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next time.